Hello, into your telephone. I hear you, comrade. I know you are there. Do not try to be sneaky with me. You you refer <laughs> to your father as comrade. Oh, my goodness. Who yes. talks to their yes. father this way? Just answer your telephone. Well, Talk to your father. Well, I will say, well, Luke Skywalker didn't start calling Vader father until he actually found out, so there's that. You don't, no, no, you don't get to watch those in Russia. They all just had those standard bread lines. The 80s were but not But they Russia. did have them in Russia. Did they? Yeah, they did. Well, at least with the new ones, anyway. Probably those, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking during the Glasnost uh. period, you know. Four comedies? No, no, we're doing five comedies, everybody. I gave oh, Jacob five. I gave Jacob no warning while we just started live. I love doing this to people. I surprise them that we're recording. I have to edit out some stuff. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, we, we, I like to start like kind of raw, and uh, my sister was sitting there talking about medicine. I was like, oh no, pausing, pause, 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 pause. <laughs> this is not. Oh me. my gatos, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, is, uh, how hot is it there right now? It's actually not that bad. It's like what only in the eighties. Really, what it is hotter here in Oregon than it is in Napa, the face of the sun. Pretty much, yeah. Wow, uh, it's so hot that I'm wearing that bikini short thing from. Uh, uh, shit, I screwed the joke because I can't remember the movie. <laughs> son of a bitch. Who uh, wears short shorts? No, no, uh, not Bruno. God. Damn, what was the first one? Borat. I'm wearing the, the swimsuit from Borat. Damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Sasha Baron Cohen, you, you you pretty much like broke into his closet and stole that. Yep, a little slingshot underwear. Uh, you know what? If it gets any hotter, I'll be doing the little dance that Bruno did. Oh, 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 oh. You spin oh, me right round, baby. Round, <laughs> baby. Right round like a record, baby. Right round, round, round. Oh, oh. Right. Name the band. Can you name the band? Oh. Dead or alive. Holy shit, you're good at this. You always know the one-hit wonders. I love that song. You always know the one-hit wonders, so it's amazing. Well, kind of staying up late at night or waking up early in the morning, like growing up uh, in the 90s and watching those infomercials with uh, these great uh, 80s collections. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had that when I was a kid. It it was always the 60s. Hey, kids, remember the 60s? No. That, that, and um, the wedding singer. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got you on that one. Um, so this episode, we're discussing five comedies of 1982. If you noticed, we actually skipped something from last year, from 1981, and I didn't realize it till yesterday. We didn't do the top 40 hits of 1981. So we're going to have to do a double episode uh, in a couple weeks where we just discuss 81 and 82. Oh, dang. I was, I'm going to watch all the videos. What would you prefer to do? Would you watch... You want me to put together a compilation of really uh, notable videos from those years and we discuss them? Or do you just want to go through that list yeah. again? Yes, please. Let's do that. Let's do the compilations. I'll go through the list just see if there's anyone that I find noteworthy. Okay. That I like. So what are the five movies, uh, Jacob? Well, first, well, what I started off with was how uh, you sent it to me in order. The first one was Night Shift starting, um, starring Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. Why did Henry Winkler stop acting for so long? He's so fucking great in this movie. And it's the exact opposite of the Fonz. And he needed this. This was a big hit and then nothing. He produced MacGyver and then nothing. Yeah, no, that's that's the odd thing too. I mean, uh, Henry Winkler was like an, uh, 
like a high demand actor. Yeah, uh, you know, the Fonz is what made his career. But then you see him in everything else, like, you know, later on, like, you know, coming back in, like, Big Daddy and, you know, a lot of other Sandler films after that. But, yeah. it's like, still, he well, carries a lot of heart. Well, I think, sure. I think what happened was, remember we saw him in Scream, and everybody was shocked that he showed up, and he's only in it for, like, five minutes. But that triggered something. I think everybody missed him, and seeing him older kind of changed up, like, our perspective of who he was. And then it was Waterboy, I think, not Big Daddy. And somewhere in Waterboy, you're right. Yeah, My he bad. did a TV show called Monty, where he was a loudmouth right wing uh, uh, talk show host, and that show got it was terrible. Uh, I think it was the first thing he did <laughs> before Friends. I don't know, but it was. Uh, and then he just disappeared. And he did all the movies afterwards. Of course, we see him all the time now because of Barry, and I think he got an Emmy for that. And he's been in a lot of, like you said, Sandler movies. Uh, Here comes the boom. Oh. He's great in, but here oh. He's fantastic, and it's just like that was it. He just left after uh, uh, Happy Days ended. Oh yeah, pretty much. He, I mean, he did come back for like uh, Mork and Mindy uh, for a special guest episode because yeah, that's where Mork actually started. Was an episode of Happy Days. Yeah, the Fonz challenged him. The uh, and also he was in um, Community. He right. was a uh, John Ralphio well, and uh, Mona Lisa's dad. Yeah, and 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 Rested Development. He was in that. Uh, uh, he was their lawyer for a while. But what's funny is what should have made his film career didn't happen, but it made Michael Keaton's career. Hell, it made Shelley Long's career. Yes. She was mostly on television for a while. Yes, I was going to say, um, absolutely, uh, for Michael Keaton, you can definitely tell this is where he hit big time. Uh, just the way he played out this character, he's like, he has, he's like, you know, he's young, he's energetic, full of, you know, full of energy, has all these ideas, a little dumb, but that's where Henry Winkler comes in to balance him out. Right. Do you, and, do you, you know, like the, the him being funny? Do you miss that? It's been so long since he was a wacky, wild character. I actually do. I really do. I'll, I'll always enjoy Michael Keaton because, I mean, the first thing I grew up on him was Beetlejuice and Batman. And, I mean, yeah, he did uh, come back in The Other Guys, but he wasn't his uh, wacky self. Oh, wait. There was that movie he did with uh, – no, not not just that. But there was another one he did. It was a few years ago with Larry David. Oh, gosh. He did? I'm blanking on the name. Is it that HBO yeah. movie with the, the car, the electric car or something like that? The Howard, yes. That's what it was. Yeah. He was in that. And I thought, I thought he was hilarious in that. I loved him in that. But it's like, yeah, I would love to see him come back and do something wild, wacky, and out there. Because that's definitely where his, uh, his strengths are definitely in comedy. But he does um, do a great job dramatically. Yeah, and I was just thinking, uh, and Shelley Long. I think I've mentioned this to you. This mentioned this to you before, but Shelley Long. Oh yeah, we did. We discussed it in Caveman. So never mind. I'm not going to go over this again. She's from my hometown. Um, what what I love about this movie is the uh, breakdown and buildup of Henry Winkler's character because he's secure where he is in life. And he takes this risk just to protect the girls. And he starts to become super tough. Then almost breaks him again. And uh, he has to go save uh, her from that weird orgy place. That like the I don't even know what you want to call it. Like a, a Playboy Mansion but in a hotel. I, I, it's, it's weird. It definitely catered to the rich and famous. You know. So yeah. He definitely. That's how he just went in there. Tried to talk tough to that one guy, got smacked, and then Michael Keaton tried to jump in and help. <laughs> the uh, and he just missed him completely. The uh, 
this is uh, Ron Howard's big studio effort because he had done, I think, two movies for uh, Roger Corman, and this was like his breakthrough. And after this, he's just gold. I think he did Splash, uh, Cocoon, um, Gung Ho. Uh, I think Willow was next, and then Paranoid. Willow, yes. Yeah, the, the 80s was very good to Ron Howard. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, I'd say... Um... I say he still has a decent run and he could still direct. I mean, hell, I loved what he did with Solo. Yeah, I think he got a lot of shit for Solo, and it was unwarranted. Uh, absolutely, honestly, it's not fair at all. Yeah, I think it's because. But, I mean, well, it's it's. I think it's what it is is people's expectations of what they were going to get with Lord and Miller, and then they got with Ron Howard. But Ron Howard is a classic filmmaker. He's in the Spielberg world. And Lord and Miller are more anarchy than New Wave. And I think that's where it didn't work out. But people were expecting something like 21 Jump Street, but in the Star Wars world. They would have hated it, too. They hate everything. The people who get shitty with these movies, uh, they, they, they're ready to hate it. Period. It doesn't matter Absolutely. what the movie is. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Solo wasn't necessarily wanted, but it was a really good product. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, yeah, I highly it, enjoy I, it. Absolutely. I do enjoy it more than I do Rogue One. However, again, yes, knowing that Ron Howard directed Night Shift, I'm like... Huh. It. I mean, well, uh, considering you, you know, him like growing up being on the Andy Griffith Show and you know Happy Days. Yeah. He had like you know a natural. Oh, what's the right wholesome? Word? What's the right word you would use? Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. Yeah. When it came to comedy, he was. Um. He, he was able to easily assimilate it. And her, working with Henry Winkler already on Happy Days, there was good chemistry there. Or heck, even just like one little bit where um. Uh, he goes home, he's talking to his wife, saying that now he's got the night shift, and, you know, he's like, but I work days, I work this and that. Or no, fiancé. He's getting married. And then she's like, don't you want, don't you think, it's a, don't you want me to be able to fit in my wedding dress? He's like, well, I think you look great now. So it's like, you know, it's kind of cutesy, he's, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Sweet. Yes, he's very sweet. He loves his fiancé, wholesomely. And, of course, you know, she's just, She's just extremely um, anal retentive when it comes to fitting in the dress. Like, God, she's like, honey, I cheated. What? It's like, I, I ate a Snickers bar. Oh. <laughs> and she's, like, she's that, not that, dedicated that to fitting in the dress. Forever and ever, just sweating and sweating and sweating. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because it was almost necessary for both Ron Howard and Henry Winkler to kick their, direct, their careers in different directions by doing a sex comedy. People just kind of went, what? But the, having two guys who were wholesome, though, they filled this movie, which should have been super naughty and kind of like, you know, the Porky's for adults. They make right. it so... It, it has so much heart and so much character. They, they were focused on that and not the sex part. Exactly. Of course, that, that, was the main, that was the main thing. I mean, it's a comedy. You don't want to overload with too much sex jokes, otherwise you're just going to get a bunch of crap. Right. Like, uh, oh gosh... Uh, there was one movie that was I thought was just nothing but sex jokes, which is why it felt flat. What we watched it? I'm trying to compare. Have we? I think we might have. I, I I think I might have. Okay. But I just can never. I just can't remember what comes to mind. But anyway, yeah. Um, there are even little gimmicks too. Uh, like when Henry Winkler, every time he's trying to come through his apartment or co or go out, there's always this some neighbor's dog that goes out and chases him, and he's like <laughs> in fear of this dog for the entire movie. Up near till the end, when he like you know finds his courage, 
<laughs> I love, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was in Batman Returns. Damn it, he's a really tall guy with a goofy... Here's the the, the teacher in uh, Fast Times. Vincent Schiavelli. Thank you, Vincent Schiavelli, where he's just like this really shitty delivery person. <laughs> Who gives that kind of service? Oh, man, today... With, like, DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff like that, there's no way you would be successful. You'd get fired the first day. Absolutely, I know. I mean, because he always gets the wrong bread and he always gets the wrong sandwich. And then he finally had enough and just stood up to Vincent Chiavelli. Oh, man. Uh. Switch to sandwich. Okay, Good I... God, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was his excuse earlier. It's like, oh, it's just a sandwich. You know, they work really hard and have to deal with this all day, yada, yada, yada. But then again, Michael Keaton, again... He and Michael Keaton balance each other out. See, that's that, what I liked about this um, yeah. particular. Uh, well, I love odd couples together where they they. Uh, I don't like it in cop movies so much because they're always bickering, but I do like it when they're like forced situation where they kind of have to cooperate with each other, even though they're wildly different personalities. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. Like Henry Winkler's a neat freak. He likes his peace and quiet, and then Michael Keaton comes in. He's just loud and obnoxious. I mean, determined. But still, yeah, I think it just really throws off Henry. I feel like Michael Keaton set a trend though that I didn't like, that didn't work out in the '80s was the sidekick who's loud and obnoxious and, and full of snark. It only worked every once in a while, and but I think all these movies are trying to copy his character. You know, I definitely could see that now. You know, that does make a good point. So I haven't seen that in comedies, you know, in years before this, right? And we're going to run you know, into it. Couple. Yeah, we're going to run into it a lot throughout this show. Is we're going to find movies that tried to ape his personality. The wacky, you know, the Ryan Reynolds is basically the Michael Keaton of now with his smart ass wacky behavior. Exactly, but I find, but he's definitely more handsome and more fit. <laughs> Did you see uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner in there? No, I didn't. If you go to the scene where they're having the the college frat party inside the mortuary, or is it, no, the morgue, I can't remember what you call it, the morgue, yeah, uh, a, you'll see one yes. of the party guys is Kevin Costner, he's dancing around, he's in it for like a minute or two. I'll have to, okay, I'll have to go back and look now. Now that you said that, I have to find him. <laughs> the, uh, oh, the pimp thing is going to come up again later, because uh, in 1983 we have Dr. Detroit, which also has a normal nerd becoming a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, it's not as successful. Yeah. I, I saw it about 15 years ago, and I was like, it's okay, but I want to give it another shot. But uh, I highly recommend Night Shift. I, would you? I would definitely recommend it, yes, of course. The uh, the next movie we're going to discuss is Young Doctors in Love. This in love. You read that, Stimpy? It says love. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. I I had completely forgotten about this movie. I had seen it. it. It was produced by ABC Motion Pictures, and the plan was back in the eighties and early nineties. They were hungry for uh, movies for their uh, Saturday night and Sunday night shows. They used to air movies all the time on television, kids. Like, networks would fill Sunday, Saturday, Monday, whatever. Fox did it for a couple years. But ABC thought, well, let's put this in the theaters. Let's kind of give it a good production value. But then we can bring it to our network and air it for a decade. And that's how I saw it as one Saturday night around 1988. And I completely forgot about it until... Uh, it was when you were working a lot, and I had to go on... We put Back in Tunes kind of on a hiatus, but that was at the end of 2014, uh. I think. And 
we were talking about getting guests on the show to fill in, and I was like, well, why don't I do some interview shows? Try that out. I hated interview shows. I felt embarrassed and, and, and weird the whole time. But one of the guys I introduced or interviewed was Kyle T. Hefner, who um, was friends with someone else that I knew, and he is in this movie. He's also in Flashdance, The Woman in Red, and a bunch of TV. Um, but he was a great guest, so if you want to listen to the, his uh, discussion on the making of Young Doctors in Love, uh, go back to the interviews episode I posted about a month ago. Wow. Yeah, no, um, Yeah, you, you actually pointed that out, and uh, I mentioned that I finally finished watching this movie. I do appreciate its silliness uh, overall, because, I mean, again, in the 80s, um, as far as that kind of, like, uh, reality breaking kind of silliness comedy cartoonish element you don't see that a lot I see that stuff in only like uh, Better Off Dead uh, One Crazy Summer and this is definitely one of those right it's almost so parody movies usually fall into two categories um, the Zucker Brothers and Abrams changed it to that formula where it's just a thousand jokes per minute it is go 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 the story is good but it's almost always secondary to the gags and then there's the more spoofing of a genre. In the early 80s, General Hospital was so fucking huge. It was a phenomenon oh, yes. unlike anything uh, in its genre. And um, so you see a lot of the guys from General Hospital pop up in cameos in this. But it's a spoof of that world. But it's not in-your-face spoof. It seems like most of the gags are off to the side. And in the background, you have to pay attention to what's going on beyond the main characters on the screen to see what's going on. It took me about five viewings to realize that they were having, um, oh, yeah, Sean Young, when she's in the hospital bed, they're holding a thing, which is supposed to be the fluid, you know, uh, where that sugar fluid is they, they put into you. It's actually just pickles. It's a pickle jar. <laughs> and you've noticed that there's pickles in there, too, so pickle juice is just being put into her arm. Or, or when the little guy, uh, when he's trying to hang up the phone. Is fucking hilarious because he's so damn determined. He's not giving up for anything. He's not asking for help, and he finds a way to do it. Exactly. <laughs> like I said, yeah, of course. Um, mentioning that, yeah, it did make fun of a lot of uh, soap opera uh, hospital sh uh, shows that were popping up, and as you mentioned, General Hospital. Yeah, you could definitely tell is uh, poking fun at that. And again, big ensemble cast for me. I mean, you know. Taylor Negron, uh, Michael McKeon, who of course is definitely at his best when he's like kind of that um, subtle, rude character, yeah, yeah. but you know, with comedic deliveries, insensitive. And again, once you find out why he is the way he is, or he can't do surgery, you know, by himself, it's just so like ridiculous. It is. Uh, my favorite gag is pretty early in the movie when Harry Dean Stanton comes in and, he, and he's pulling the gag on the urine tasting, but doesn't realize that oh, Michael, yeah. Michael McKean flips it on him and, and he just keeps it, it just tastes like normal everyday piss. He goes, why well, did, oh, hold on, I was just kidding, I did the same thing you did, I didn't expect you to, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then Harry Dean Stanton flips out and tells everybody to get out. Oh, gosh. Who's that actor that was next to him? I can't remember his name. Uh, Sal Rubinek is a Canadian actor. Um, the biggest head of curly hair. You think Kyle had a huge head of curly hair? No. Saul is the king. Most people know him from True <laughs> Romance. He's the really shitty producer at the end of the movie. Oh, wow. Oh, God. It's been so long since I've seen that. Body Bags 2. I have more taste in my dick than that title. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, no. Overall, yeah, oh, Hector Elizondo was definitely one of the ones that always got me. Well, he I, committed. I, oh, my God, I forgot. I was forgot to mention Michael Richards. The, he is fucking hilarious in this. That, too. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. No, uh, he's just pretty, pretty much that hitman trying to kill uh, Hector Elizondo's dad. And every attempt, he just fails miserably. Yeah. Even at the part where Pamela Reed shoves something up his ass and then puts him in the hospital bed. So, uh, with this being an ABC production, they grabbed a lot of the people from their shows. So, this is the first film, I believe, by Gary Marshall, who is the, the head of, speaking of Happy Days, he's the guy who created Happy Days. Laverne and Shirley, that's how he got Michael McKeon. Um, trying to remember, uh, Hector oh, wow. Elizondo had worked with him a bunch. He became his lucky. If you look at every single Gary Marshall movie, I believe Hector Elizondo is in it because he considered it his... Uh, Lucky, like the way Samuel Jackson is for Quentin Tarantino. If you cast him in it, the movie's gonna be good. Mm, so it's Lucky Charm. Yes, thank you. Uh, I couldn't think of the word Lucky Charm. Richard Dean Anderson is in this and as a drug dealer. Uh, before he got MacGyver, at the time he was in a show called uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm, I know. I, I think I've heard of that. It sounds awfully familiar. Well, it was a movie. It was a, it was a musical in the '60s, I believe, and they tried to make it into a TV series that lasted for about a year or two. Oh, hmm. yeah, no, it definitely sounds familiar. I have to look into it. So it looks, but, like, yeah, yeah, um, this show seemed to be like they were trying to nurture people to be the next stars. Pretty much, yeah. But hey, I mean, some people have found like successful careers. I mean, as far as Sharon Young, she definitely could have had more promise. Yeah, I mean, if she, did get, I mean, if she did get the role uh, of Vicky Vale in Batman, I'm pretty sure her, uh, uh, her fan. Uh, fame would have shot, uh, catapulted yeah it would have gone definitely in a different yeah. direction um, it's so weird she's like one of those lost like could have been yeah sadly but, still uh, under Blade Runner though yeah that's true um, what I was thinking is uh, oh right so I, I recommend this one this one isn't as good as Night Shift it, you, and you have to be in the right mood it helps if you know the history of if you've never seen a medical soap opera or soap operas period especially daytime soap operas you might not get the tone Absolutely, yes. You have to have some familiarity with that. Or uh, ER, even. Yeah, you know? well, I, I don't I know think it's heavy. I thought like ER was gross. It's, it's a little too melodramatic, I think, uh, what they're trying to spoof. ER was more serious. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, this day and age, I mean, as far as Grey, Grey's Anatomy go, anybody who watches Grey's okay. Anatomy can yes. probably get, get into this movie. Right, it's a lot like Grey's Anatomy. And uh, medical shows never die away. But uh, this is free on YouTube, but it wasn't... You just have to type in Young Doctors of Love, but it gives you a title that's not that, but it'll bring it up. You can watch it free and check it out. Do so. I highly recommend it. All right, third film. Uh, the Toy by with Richard Pryor. Okay, this is... Mm, okay, I watched this movie, I'm not kidding you, 50 to 100 times as a child. Taped it off, coincidentally, again, ABC. All this is lynched around ABC for some reason. Um... And, and, and I never even thought of what the problematic thing could be until someone brought it up about five years ago. And I was like, oh, that does seem interesting. And then that's all I heard was that it was a really shitty film, that it was really racist. And I watched it again. I think they're like, wrong. Damn, you can't help but... It, it, and you oh. can't help but think about it and you can't help seeing the difficulty in it. But I don't think that was the point. How you see a movie as racist when Richard Pryor gets revenge on the racists. I think that's the final say in the movie, but what it's still a problematic movie, but there's so much interesting stuff going on in it. 
that you can't just throw it away. Yeah. And as far as, like, the aspect of, like, him, like, you know, nurturing and taking care of, you know, pretty much keeping this kid company when the father himself couldn't even do it, pretty much owning Richard Pryor, I'm like, okay, yeah, this definitely, how it sets up, it's pretty messed up. But in a way, okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, what it is is Jackie Gleason is a very, very rich businessman, and he is uh, loves to destroy people's careers and make them bow down before him. But he has a son who goes to the toy store that his father owns late at night where Richard Pryor is a janitor. By the way, him as a maid is completely ridiculous, but Richard Pryor sells the ridiculousness so much you cannot hate it. There's no way that anybody would put him in that with that big mustache. And everybody like, you got a really hairy upper lip. <laughs> no, nobody's this stupid, so you almost have to go into parody <laughs> to spoof in order to believe it. Absolutely. But he goes into the toy store and he sees what he wants. And Richard Pryor is goofing around like I usually do at work. He's having a fun time, and he, he ends up killing Wonder Wheel. Oh, no, Wonder Wheel, my best friend, don't leave me! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he does. He just gives off a wonderful performance. Yeah, but he Great sees supporting him. by Ned Beatty. Yeah, Ned Beatty's in this, sure. and he is so nervous the whole movie, and he sells it like you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> but he sees who he is, and he finds him to be incredibly entertaining. And he wants... The problem is the wording, and this is originally from a French film from uh, Francis Weber, who, trust me, if you look up Francis Weber's filmography, ten other movies were made out of his stuff, like Three Fugitives, The Birdcage, uh, uh, Out on a Limb, and there's a few others in there. He always played the line between offensive, like, is this offensive to gay people? I can't tell. Like, he's always writing that line, testing it. And I think he does it with this movie, but his original version did not have a black lead, so it wasn't really seen as potentially racist. But he, using the words, I want to buy him, not hire him, is where the problem is. That's, exactly. It was, it was, I don't see Richard Donner ever as being an insensitive person. You see in his other works that, for the most part, his movies are very sweet. Even when they're wild and crazy, like Goonies, they're still very sweet in their nature, and I think he's a very good man. But I think that maybe he didn't think that little that little bit of wording could make it seem like slavery. Now, if you had skipped that and you had gone to the scene where Jackie Gleason is you know is demanding that he he works for him, and and then Richard Pryor has the upper hand though because he's demanding a huge wage, so it's still in Richard Pryor's control. He can walk away at any time. He's basically a babysitter who's there to entertain him. Pretty much, yeah. Uh... Of course, and that's what it all folds out. But that wording right there is definitely was where it should have drawn. And it, this is a product of its time. That yes. should be like you know, a warning or a censorship, right? And also, like what Warner Brothers does with its cartoons, right? And I also saw this on television, so they edited out some stuff. Some stuff. This is literally the first time I've ever seen the original cut, and I didn't realize that they show that nude painting. I, I never knew what the joke was. Um, I never knew what the joke oh, was. I, oh, never, yeah. I, I never got masturbates. I never got that joke until this time. I laughed my ass off. Um, but at the end, the, the, one, the one major problem besides him saying, uh, I want to buy him, is that uh, at the end, when they decide to get revenge on the KKK member that's trying to raise money or whatever, he's like the head Klansman or whatever, 
Yeah, yeah, and the senator's there at the fundraiser too, and they're trying to get a photo off. Right, and, but and they, until it realizes, until it reveals who he is. Right, they get that revenge, but the way they let Jackie Gleason off the hook because he fucking knows, he knows exactly who this person is, what the situation is, and he's trying to keep it a secret. So he is a goddamn scumbag. He is a racist, and he is apparently either a clan member or very supportive of the clan. And at the end of the movie, they basically let him off the hook, and that's where they fuck up big time. Exactly, yeah, no, he definitely should have been ruined after that, you know, failed party. Yeah, but uh, I, I, Richard Richard Pryor, I think this was right after he got horribly burned. It was between Busting Loose and this. And you can see he's trying to appeal with this, Busting Loose and Superman 3, he's trying to appeal to a bigger audience. And he's working, right. he's working so fucking hard to make this work that he almost doesn't make it work. You know what I mean? He's like almost too needy for the joke. He's he's like just on 11 the entire time. And I think it's because exactly. he was... I mean, you come out of being horribly burned. Do you have a mental break and a physical break from something like that being burned so bad that I think that he was just sad and that he just wanted to be happy and he wanted to make other people happy. And, and I cannot deny that. Oh, no. I mean, you can see it the same thing with Robin Williams. Yeah, uh, and we're going like to discuss, the, uh, next year we're discussing Survivors, which is Robin Williams, and you can see there's something broken in him that he wants to fix, and it's it's heartbreaking. I think I think Survivors is his best performance, even though it was a huge flop and critics hated it. Um, I can't wait for you to watch it. I know, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll always love Robin Williams films. Uh, I do want to say one more thing about the toy. Yeah, even like the, the plot of it, where he was... Um, of course, he's a writer, and he's trying to be a reporter. Uh, so, he, of course, he helps the kid out, you know, in becoming a reporter and digging into a story by uncovering, like, his father's secrets, like what he's done throughout his company. Right. So, I'm like, God, yeah, that should have had a bigger effect in the end, too. Like, his workers should have walked out on the job, told the guy to screw off, struck. Pretty much broken the guy. Yeah, I feel like because yeah, he, it was a kid's movie, they pulled their punches at the end. That's what they'll do, yeah. Whenever it comes to, like, family-oriented uh, films, they will do that. Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I, I really know. like that kid. Um, I can't remember his name. He was in uh, The Christmas Story. He ended up doing, uh, like, notorious for being a child star who went into porn for a couple movies and uh, never lived it down, and it was kind of sad. Dang, yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember watching about that in I Love the 80s. Oh, yeah, also, wait. No, wait, the toy wasn't necessarily family-oriented, especially with the nudity and the language. I know, it's it's just one of those movies that seemed like it was in the middle of the road where they were, like, they couldn't figure out which audience they were going for. It wasn't kiddie enough, but Richard Pryor was like that because, remember, Bustin' Loose was kind of geared right. as a family movie, but it was also, like, it was borderline R, if it wasn't R. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess it all worked out in the end, but I'm pretty sure, like, Wait, did this bomb at the box office? Or did no, this is a huge longer? hit. This was uh, $60 million. Here's the funny thing is, you want to know what opened on the same day as the toy? <laughs> you tell. 48 hours in Airplane 2. What the fuck? That was three companies in one day. Dang, really? Yeah, and all three of them made money. <laughs> Though Airplane 2, our next movie, did not make as much. Anywhere nearly as much as the first movie because... Yes, it copies the the um, plot quite a bit, but opening up against two huge stars, one in the making and one that's already established, just killed Airplane 2. 
Yes, that could that was again the major major factor. We were these three major films in one weekend. Nobody's not sure what to see. Except for uh December of twenty eighteen, everyone went to see Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> um I actually uh, enjoy Airplane Two quite a bit, even though it is a little bit same. too repetitive of the first one, but there's so many gags at work and it's so fucking fast. Absolutely. Oh gosh, even at the beginning, of course, you know, opening, you know, going throughout the airport, all the ridiculous little spoofs and jokes uh you know making fun of et or <laughs> rocky. that woman asking <laughs> yeah rocky yeah rocky whatever it was it was rocky 20 or, i think and, and he uh he was rocky an old 30. old man <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm like well shoot after like what rocky balboa or the creed movies it's like yeah he's old but he's still in great shape yeah because in that photo <laughs> he looked like um uh Bur- burgess meredith <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but now, um, again, I just love how, like, at the, uh, the, uh, gosh, I can't even remember. Uh, in the lobby, it's like they go to the guy, you know, whoever's customer service or whatever. They go up and ask him, like, all the random questions, like, "Is it alright to fake an orgasm?" Yes, it is. Anyways, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like casually like, answering that, like, like it doesn't bother him at all, or nope. it's awkward. Um, but but it's this time they're going to outer space, and I can't believe how good those special effects look. I was shocked because I looked oh, at the gosh, budget. Yes. And I, I believe the budget on uh, Airplane was like four or five million. They spent fifteen on the sequel, and you see every penny. They they spent so much time going into space, and when I mean we don't really need to talk about the movie that much because it's just it's more gag oriented. It's just it's just like the first movie, except it's in outer space. And um, I think the success rate is probably... What would you say the success rate of Airplane? The jokes are 80%? For every joke, those are the ones that hit? I would say 80 to 85%, yeah. yeah. And I would say Airplane's probably around 65%. Or Airplane 2, I mean. It, it's still really funny. Yeah, I would say 70 75%. I definitely got a kick out of it. Especially, um, that <laughs> again, with the kid coming into the cockpit and like, talking to the pilot, and the pilot's just asking all these like like do you ever let your dog just like hump your pretty much just hump your leg all day like what the hell <laughs> yeah uh the over unger unger done done over <laughs> uh, Our, of course the computer thing was definitely a reference to um uh ugh, a Hal 9000 yes that's yeah. exactly what it was so I could it, not remember the name of it it's a spoof of disaster movies but it's also a spoof of like that and it has little Star Trek spoofs when, when the movie that introduces William Shatner though it goes into supernova funny I mean it gets all of its mojo back William Shatner knows exactly what kind of movie he's in and holy shit that ending is so loaded with fun gags and, and special effects that look amazing and Sandal Bergman was like his uh, I know I'm surprised yeah. I was like what I was like I was like, is that her? No. Fast forward, credits, yes. Sandal Bergman. <laughs> so I, I still oh, recommend man. it. Um, but yeah, it did not do anywhere nearly as well. And I think it kind of destroyed this guy's career. I don't remember him doing anything after this. But I say yes. Absolutely yes, of course. Especially if you enjoyed the first one, you'll love this one too. Oh, gosh, no. Going back to the court scene when uh, Strecker was testifying, saying that the oh, yeah. wiring was blocking <laughs> on the rocket. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, like one of the women asked was from the first movie. She was the one freaking out, and everybody was in line to smut, smack the crap out of her. They brought that back again. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, 
Um, the, the guy, he's like, uh, do you test if, or whatever? Do you swear to tell the truth? Uh, what, what's the thing? What do, what do you say when you put the hand in your Bible? Oh, uh, swear enough. Oh, yeah, and he get, he does the oath or whatever. He goes, ain't nothing, bleed. <laughs> slaps his hand in the book. He oh, slaps yeah, ain't the... no... Yes, of course. It's like, ain't, when he's speaking, oh, yeah, speaking job, ain't no thing. <laughs> I love it when Ted Stryker's in the mental hospital and they're talking, are you over Mucho Grande? No, I'll never be over Mucho Grande. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh gosh who's the psych doctor uh, oh John Vernon from Dean Animal Wormer. House yes Dean Wormer I, I love it when the spotlights the spotlights are moving around and um, uh, he's running away or whatever and all of a sudden the love boat exciting and new <laughs> what the hell <laughs> just keeps going <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> or no even when uh, he decides to blow up the computer uh, on the rocket, like he like hears like the sound effects and like the um foreboding like uh you know tense tones. And then he look, looks back to the camera like what the hell? Like where's that noise coming from? <laughs> there was uh we watched this in college quite a bit. We we had a friend who was huge into spoof movies and he had this and uh, we used to quote uh all I'm surrounded with is uh, blinking lights and beeps and then blinking lights and beeps and I don't know what any of these blinking lights and beeps do. What do they do? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I'm like, well, coming from Shatner, I'm like, yeah, seriously, what did they do in Star Trek, Shatner? You don't even know. <laughs> They're not even labeled. All right, have, have we discussed all the movies? I feel like there's another one. There should be another one. Okay, we discussed Airplane 2, Young Doctors in Love, The Toy. Uh, oh, yes, my favorite year. Okay, yes, thank you. Wow, what a good one. That's what it is. This one's different than the rest. This one is sweeter, and it's kind of nostalgic, and it's plot There's a lot of gags Absolutely. in it, but it's not as it's not spoof uh, funny. No, of course not. I mean, it... But I just love how it like starts off with the narration. But that main actor, though, it... Uh, I forget what... Perfect Stranger. I forget what show he was in. His uncle... Uh, yes, uncle that's Larry, what it was. Or Cousin Larry. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's where I recognize him from. I'm like, huh, where have I seen him before? Yeah, he was a, he was a Broadway guy, and he just happened to luck into Perfect Strangers and just happened to get renewed like for seven seasons. But the minute it was over, he just went straight back to Broadway. Yeah. No, because you don't really see him in too many movies or, uh, or too much of TV. No, and... Uh, just like with Alan Cumming. Basically, what this is is the director Richard Benjamin, who was a kind of a well-known uh, actor at the time for being like a good supporting lead. Uh, he wrote this story about his time working on I want to say it was the show of shows, Sid Caesar's show, right? I think. Oh. And there was yeah, a there I was. Just, well, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, the way, yeah, as of what I want to say about this movie, like it did feel like. It was like actually based off a true story of like someone, uh, of a up and coming writer in Hollywood. It felt like it was actually happening. Of course, you know, changed the names around, and right. it happened to be of the director's own story. So hey, it worked out wonderfully. Yeah, and in one night while he was uh, uh, beginning at the year show of shows, he had to take care of Errol Flynn, and Errol Flynn was notorious for being a crazy drunk, uh, Lothario, you know, constantly with women and uh, forgetting where he is and what he was doing. And I, if I remember correctly, that was a true story, is that he got very nervous when he found out he was going to be in front of a live audience and flipped out. And so this is almost a true story. I don't know who, if the gangster thing was an added on 
uh, or that was really an issue back in uh, the 50s with your show of shows if there was really a gangster there making fun of and he threatened them uh, I, I don't know that might have happened I think Joseph Bologna is very funny as King Kaiser who's running the show and he's just a he's an asshole but he's a necessary asshole absolutely <laughs> oh god pretty much everything he says does go um oh gosh who who else did I notice that was his I really oh, think man. Peter O'Toole is heartbreaking in this because he's so lost in his vices that he forgot to live. He forgot to pay attention to his own family. And he's getting towards the end of his life and he just realizes he's a fuck-up. Oh, of course. And uh, I think that's why... Oh, gosh. The main character's name. Shit, I don't remember now. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> Marklin Baker is what I would just say. Let me look. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, let me. Can we yeah. put you on hold for a second? Da, na, da, na, na, da, na, da, well, I know he. Cha- well, I know the characters changed his name because of like you know. Again, he came from a Jewish family from the Bronx, and uh, oh, it's of ben- course he ends up taking Peter. O- it's Benji Stone. Benji Stone, yes, Benji. Yeah, when Ben, like, takes him back to his family, kind of gives him that, you know, family element, show him what he's missing in life. It does, uh, it definitely does reach out to him to where he goes and kind of just goes rogue and, you know, finds his own daughter. Of course, he doesn't see her till like, near the end of the movie. And that's exactly, now that you, that's what I wanted to mention, too. Once you mentioned Errol Flynn, that's who I felt like Peter O'Toole was based off of. I mean, all the sword and the fencing, (laughs) and the fencing, uh, uh, fighting clips from those old movies. I'm like, huh, this is definitely an Errol Flynn kind of vibe. Because yeah. Errol Flynn was, was, wasn't he like considered like the original action star for films? Yeah, I would say so. He's probably the first action adventure star, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize this oh, yeah, was this produced like... by Mel Brooks. How did I miss that? Oh, damn, really? That, that totally makes sense now. Huh. Well, wasn't it like a Brooks Films uh, Limited? I'm always curious. What else did Brooks Films produce? Let's look. The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. I know that. Yeah, and then Maybe I, it's the, the Elephant I'm Man. Sure it's well, he didn't want to put his name on a lot yeah. of movies because they were serious. And he said, if I put my name in front of this, they're going to think it's a joke. 45 films? Okay, well, obviously some of these are his. Elephant Man, The Fly, History of the World, of course, we know that. Um, mm-hmm. Blazing Samurai? What the fuck is that? Samuel L. Jackson, Mel Brooks, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh. Huh. Um, I'll have to look into that. I really have to look into that now. Solar Babies. He produced that. Oh, wow. Fatso, The Vagrant, The Doctor and the Devils. These are some weird movies. Coming Attractions. I don't think that's true. Uh, <laughs> the rest is, is like TV <laughs> specials, so. Wow. Spaceballs, the animated series. Spaceball. I want. I want. Okay, can I tell you this right now? I really want a Lord Helmet costume for Halloween. We all. You know, we're all going to be wearing masks for Halloween. So it's either sexy nurses or Deadpool, Spider Man, uh, Cobra Commander, or Dar- uh, you know Darth Vader or Lord Helmet. And I want Lord Helmet. I want to be able to just uh, talk through that thing. Or characters from Mortal Kombat. Okay, you got me there on that one. Or Bane. You know, it's just it's going to be pretty limited, but... Um, 
I thought about doing. Uh, I, I thought about all I'm going to do is just take whatever Donald Trump has said in his stupid interviews and put a Lord Helmet on and just say it like him, and it just seems so much funnier <laughs> to me. Oh yes, uh, or like Bane or whatever. Oh yes, let me see. A uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV. <laughs> What a lovely TV. Oh, and then I had to repeat it. The corrupt people, Gotham, bow down before (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no, of course. Uh, But, yeah, no, again, Brooksville, well, I mean, this is a comedy, but this is a comedy with art. Yeah, it's, well, it's very theatrical. It's it's an old-school screwball comedy. Yeah, and that, too. And also... I think one of my favorite scenes is um, when Benji's uh, trying to impress uh, that secretary. I can't remember her name. Oh, Jessica Harper. But she was also a Broadway person. She was in the musical sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Suspiria. Uh, um, oh, damn it! Uh, Pennies from Heaven and I, something else. Oh, oh, Phantom of the Paradise. So she was known for musicals. So I'm wondering if Mel Brooks just went to theater people, and that's how he got most of them. Right, and again, that scene when he's impressing her with the dinner and all that, after taking advice from uh, Peter O'Toole's character, I thought that that just really spoke out to me. I'm like, damn, it, it got my attention. That was like one of my, my favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, of, of course, there was a happy ending overall. Yeah, I almost, I almost don't want that ending to be so big. It goes on for, I think, too long, and it's too big, the big fight showdown thing. It almost yes. takes it out of reality, which which the movie spends so much time trying to be as realistic as possible. But you know, it's all humor or behavior based humor, not physical humor. And I almost it almost loses me at the end. Mm. Yeah. Overall, again, just it. Even that little thing is not enough to take away from the movie. No, it it didn't it didn't ruin the movie like you know a Beautiful Mind where or uh, Leonard's practice. So, thankfully, it wasn't something like that. <laughs> so, of the five films, what would you say is your favorite? Oof. It was a tough one, but honestly, I had to narrow it down to Night Shift. I mean, it's Airplane like... 2, uh, it was a classic for me because, you know, I loved Airplane as a kid, loved the sequel. But, again, Night Shift is what did it for me. Yeah, it has Brian so much Howard heart, Night... but it's also incredibly funny. Uh, I, that's my favorite Absolutely. bunch. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. It def- again, and it's got Michael Keaton in it, so he'll win me over. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that is it for this episode. These are the comedies of 1982, everybody. And uh, obviously, we'll be back in a little while to discuss the comedies of 1983. And I got some doozies lined up. I can't wait to share with you a couple of movies that are completely lost. I had to find them on YouTube. So they're not exactly the best quality, but they are gems, I think, and they are just forgotten. And uh, I think before summer ends, we are definitely going to be discussing Holiday Row. I can't sing. I can't hit those notes. We're going to be discussing National Lampoon's Vacation in the next episode, everybody. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. We're the Grizzlies. <laughs> All right. Namaste and good luck, everybody. Be excellent to each other.